Hey there, welcome back to the Christopher Governator show. I just saw that it was a jump. Maybe it's because I'm trying to do like 24-hour programming here on the Christopher Governator's podcast. And so thank you for 12 million listens <laughs> and a billion subscribers. Shout out to KAMP Student Radio at the University of Aridstona and KPYT Pasquayaki Tribal Radio on the Residuous Show. Um, anyway, so there's like a um, shocker bar finally joins Garland's appeal team. And we're, we're, I, I know. I don't know. I don't really understand, but it's something about bar. Brand new filing from the Justice Department tonight, just within the last couple of hours, in the Mar-a-Lago document scandal. The DOJ is once again going to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, the same court that stepped in and allowed the department to access the hundred or so classified documents seized from Mar-a-Lago. The Justice Department is now asking for expedited access to the thousands of other government documents that Trump had squirreled away, some 11,000 of them. In tonight's filing, the DOJ says that because they are still unable to look at those thousands of other government documents, the DOJ's broader investigation is compromised. Here's what they say specifically about why the department needs access and pronto to those documents. Those records, quote, may shed light on, for example, how the materials bearing classification markings were transferred to Trump's residence, how they were stored, and who may have accessed them. And while we know that having a bunch of classified documents at your beach club may break certain laws, the Justice Department notes tonight that even the records not marked as classified may also constitute evidence of potential crimes, namely obstruction and concealment of government records. Now, the reason they have to go to the appeals court for this is, of course, because of Trump-appointed federal judge Eileen Cannon, who has repeatedly ruled in Trump's favor as he has sought to block the government from getting access to its own documents that it seized from Trump's Florida home. The way the DOJ got access to the approximately 100 classified documents from Mar-a-Lago was by getting the 11th Circuit to overrule Judge Cannon on that one point. But it wasn't clear until tonight that the Justice Department was going to continue fighting in earnest for the unclassified documents as well. Clearly they are here tonight asking the appeals court to expedite this whole thing so that it can be adjudicated in the next few weeks. Joining us now is John Fishwick, who served as the U.S. Attorney for the Western District of Virginia during the Obama administration. John, thanks as always for joining me tonight. Alex, thanks for having me on your show. So let's let's talk about this this filing here. The fact that the DOJ thinks the records may shed light on how the materials uh, bearing classification marks were transferred to Mar-a-Lago, how they were stored, and who may have accessed them. How do you interpret that? What should we glean from that in terms of the clues the DOJ is looking for in this remaining tranche of documents? Well, Alex, I think these are important clues. You know, last Wednesday, the 11th Circuit gave the uh, FBI access to these 100 classified documents, which are obviously a critical part of the criminal investigation. Why did former President Trump have them? Why were they haphazardly kept? And why were the misrepresentations made about returning them? 
But now it looks like the, uh, the FBI has gone through those documents and they're meticulously figuring out how each document got there, where they were stored, who had access to them. The FBI is probably looking at the videotapes. And as part of that investigation, as part of that meticulous investigation, they want to make sure they're right. They want to make sure they get this done the correct way. They're writing out all the documents to see how they were all handled together. And they're meticulously asking to see these other documents now so that they can move forward as expeditiously as possible. But I take from this that they are moving swiftly uh, and doing everything they can to run down all of these classified documents. And by way of doing that, they want to look at the unclassified Right. So yeah, thanks for tuning in and let's get back to the show. They want to look at the unclassified documents as well because they will provide clues to them and ultimately clues to a jury if criminal charges are brought. Do you think that also, I mean, just wanting to get their hands on the 11,000 documents may fold into a potential investigation for obstruction? Because that seems kind of like, in the words of one of our legal analysts, the sleeper sort of story here is that even if you set aside the classification bit, the obstruction charge could stick with the 11,000 documents. Yeah, the obstruction could stick on any of the documents. And obviously, apparently, folks within Trump's orbit have, you know, potentially made misrepresentations about those and that those misrepresentations come from him. Did he tell his lawyers <laughs> about the documents that were true? Will those witnesses say that? And will the videotapes show the show clues about that? <laughs> the other documents will they provide clues? And so they're looking at I know Judge Cannon is sometimes going to be an impediment, but they're they're aware of that and they're trying to move as expeditiously as possible to get to the bottom of this. Well, th- so they let's talk about that timeline in terms of be- moving as expeditiously as possible. The DOJ effectively wants to submit its brief before the midterm elections on October fourteenth. Do you think there's a likelihood that that will happen? Well, I, I would imagine the Court of Appeals will kind of the baby on this, that they're asking for an expedited appeal uh, schedule. They'll probably give them a little more expedited. You know, I, I don't think the midterm centers in this that much. I don't think they can't do anything within 60 days. I mean, my advice to the DOJ is move forward. Uh, move forward with as much transparency as possible. They give the public a view as to what they're doing, what they're looking at. I think the public is starting to understand the case. So I, I wouldn't worry about the midterms. I'd move forward with full steam ahead uh, with as much transparency as possible. So we're talking about the DOJ's case, and I want to turn to Trump's case, and specifically Trump's legal team, because we have some reporting from the Washington Post today that suggests the sort of most ostensibly level-headed counsel on Trump's team, Chris Keis, former Florida Solicitor General, has been sidelined in all this, uh, and that the sort of level-headed voices in the room are being marginalized. I say that because this current filing with the 11th Circuit Court that we're talking about right now mentions Chris Keis as a liaison from Trump's team, which suggests that maybe he hasn't been as marginalized. I guess I wonder, um, how do you read the tea leaves on all of this in terms of Keis's role and more urgently his strategy of taking a more conciliatory approach to the DOJ? Is that on the way of the dodo bird? Well, I think, you know, Alex, for any team, you've got to be well organized and everybody's got to be on the same page. And particularly in criminal trial work, you've got to be organized on the same page. And looking at the evidence, 
guys, I would say that they have not been on the same page and have not been a cohesive team. If you recall, they came in guns blazing. We, we want to attack the search warrant. DOJ can't be trusted. These documents may have been declassified. Evidence may have been planted. And at every turn since then, when they've been asked to kind of put up or shut up about that, they have uh, delayed and investigated. They have not wanted to answer those questions. So whether the strategy was uh, we want to try to get along more and, and not be as aggressive, regardless, the strategy has not been consistent. And the challenge there when a team, any team, but certainly a legal team, is not consistent and unified, while they're disorganized and uncertain of what their strategy is going to be, DOJ and specifically the agents working on this case, when they get freedom from Judge Cannon's rulings, they're aggressively and fairly uh, and objectively looking at these documents and running them down to determine were classified documents improperly held there and were uh, representations made about them. John Fishwick, who served as a former U.S. attorney for the Western District of Virginia, thanks as always for your time, John. Thanks so much. Still ahead this Friday night, Beto Knight, Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott and Democratic candidate Beto O'Rourke are facing off in their first and only debate ahead of the November elections. The race between Abbott and O'Rourke is one of the most high-stakes gubernatorial battles this election season. Texas is the second-largest state in the country and has, in a lot of ways, become a lab for right-wing experimentation. Under Governor Abbott, who may have his sights set on a 2024 presidential bid, the state has cracked down on voting rights. It passed one of the most restrictive abortion bans in the country, banned books in the classroom, and is now investigating the parents of transgender youth. At the same time, the governor has come under fire for his handling of a massive power grid failure across Texas during a winter storm, and for his refusal to do anything on gun safety after the horrific shooting in the Uvalde school shooting that killed 19 children and two teachers. Just before tonight's debate, 